How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. What's up, everybody? It's Tobin. Thank you for tuning in. As I told you on the podcast and uh, on the fight show that aired on Sunday morning, uh, I was out on Sunday morning, so uh, you guys got a recorded version. I told you that I'd get you an episode later on to recap everything that went down because it was a very packed weekend. Also, just happened to be my 11th wedding anniversary, so uh, it was a weekend that I had to put uh, fights mostly on hold. Although my wife is an angel, um, you know, after we had an awesome couple of days, we're uh, tired by Saturday night after uh, all the festivities that we had. So I was able to watch Gervonta Davis take on Mario Barrios. Uh, and then when I got home from uh, where I was in the Keys, was able to check out Vasily Lomachenko and Masayoshi Nakatani on ESPN+. Plus. That's the beauty of ESPN+. Plus. You get it right there on demand, which is a great thing. So we'll get into a little bit of that. Um, I saw one of the BKFC fights uh, this weekend, which I, it ended up being the best fight of the, of the night from what I understand. I mean, it's definitely one of the best bare knuckle fights I've ever seen. Um, so we'll start off with, I think we'll start off with Javante Davis. That feels like the biggest one of the weekend, even with uh, Vasily Lomachenko coming back and being uh, as excellent as he was. Javante Davis versus Mario Barrios felt like a very, very special fight. Uh, you know, it, it has everything that you want with two guys in their 20s, undefeated record. One guy has a belt, um, you know, not look, looked upon as, as the WBA man at 140 pounds, but it's still a big deal. You know, you, the guy's got some credibility to him and Mario. Dangerous fighter. And it was an interesting step up for Javante because, you know, there's questions about, you know, are you going up at two two spots in weight, in, in weight class? I wasn't so worried about that. I think Javante Davis has been waiting for that move up in weight class for a long time. So uh, I didn't find that to be something I was super worried about going into the fight because Mario is not known as like a one hitter quitter where, you know, he can really, really hurt Javante Davis. But I do think that we definitely saw some of the uh, the questions. It all kind of was wrapped into one fight. And I think that that's why this was the most important fight of Javante Davis's career to date, because um you know, he was tested, and it wasn't necessarily that he was in a lot of danger, but I think that a lot of the things that 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 plan A of satisfaction where he gets him in the in, with the first set of knockdowns, and you're thinking, okay, this is it. This is over. And when Mario gets up and, you know, comes back and doesn't wilt away after going to the canvas twice – I'm sure there had to be something in Javante Davis's mind like, damn, 
that because if that was somebody at 135, if that was somebody at 130 pounds or lighter, there's no shot that they're coming up and and continuing to fight and actually looking really good, uh, especially the next round where it looked like to a lot of people Barrios won the following round after going and tasting the canvas twice. But I think that stuff is great for Javante Davis. And I didn't know how it was going to go. You know, I was thinking to myself, man, I really just hope whoever goes out on this fight, whoever ends up losing, because uh, they were kind of, after the knockdown happened, Barrios came back one round, Javante came back one round, before it ultimately ended the way that it did, which was Javante Davis was just a picturesque body shot to Barrios. And that was about all she wrote. After that, I mean, the, the 11th round, we were just, it was, uh, we were waiting. It was it, the fact that he was able to get up from it was crazy enough as it is. And then the fact that, uh, he went for more, uh, just shows you what a tough SOB that Mario Barrios is. He is, uh, an absolute, absolute warrior. He's appropriately named. And I think had Gervonta Davis test himself a lot and had to dig down and had to look for other plans. And I think that we learned a lot about Gervonta, not just as a talent. I think everybody knew that this guy was phenomenal and, and you know, is, is earning a lot of the superstar status that he has. But, you know, when you see these guys have to go find another route to go win, and I think that he probably thought, man, this dude, uh, I, I gave him the monster shots up top. That wasn't working. Um, and then he ended up finding uh, some money in the bank in the in the body shots and, that really was uh, what, what sealed the deal for him. And I think that's just what shows you what's super impressive. But I remember thinking to myself before that happened, I'm like, I don't know how this fight's going to end up, you know, because I thought that Gervonta was ahead. Um, I know that the official, unofficial scorers had Barrios ahead at one point. I had him, I had him ahead uh, pretty, pretty in hand before he touched the canvas twice. Then he had it even. And then it was kind of seesawing back and forth. I was, you know, I wasn't buying into the fact that Barrios swept the first four rounds. I thought it was pretty close. Um, you know, it wasn't the most egregious scorecard I've ever seen in my life, but I wasn't, but I wasn't seeing that. I wasn't seeing a fight that Gervonta Davis was completely out of up until he got the knockdowns. I think that he very clearly was biding his time. He was looking for his shots, picking his spots in the right spot, uh, in the, in the right places. And, Man, I, I just got. I just was hoping that as the fight was was taking, I was like, man, someone's gonna end up losing this fight, obviously. But you hope to to heavens that, like, man, I, I hope whoever does end up taking the L in this isn't thought of secondarily by the fans because they just put on such a great, great show. And that is the thing that's a little bit infuriating about boxing, in that you have. Um, guys who go and take one loss, see Erickson Lubin earlier on in the card, and it takes him five years basically to get back to the spot where he's now at after getting the win over Jason Rosario, which shout out to the Hammer, guest of the show last week. Great performance by him. Uh, he ended Jason Rosario with a body shot in the sixth. A lot of great body work that was getting done this week. Uh, a, a lot of fantastic body shots that were getting done this week. And you look at a guy like him who's 25 years old. He has so much career that's left him, but look how much rehab it took to get him back to this spot. And just doesn't feel like that would be the case in mixed martial arts. Now, my, look, this might end up being better for Erickson in that, you know, he's, I think, had a lot of time to craft himself to be a better fighter. So if they would have thrown him right back to the Wolves at 22 years old, you know, maybe he's not the same guy. Maybe he's not 
you know, maybe he gets, get, goes and gets knocked out again and he uh, he's not in the position that he is now. So I'm not saying it's always, always a bad thing, but I think in the minds of the, I, I just feel like guys are just so cast aside by just taking one loss. And I like, if you come out of tonight and Gervonta, let's say Gervonta doesn't get the knockdowns and it does go the distance and Barrios found a way. Now he didn't like, I know the scorecards were what they were, but let's just say if Gervonta ended up losing the fight, I thought tonight we sh- we saw such a great level from Gervonta Davis. Now, part of that also includes the uh, the great the the great knockdowns in the eleventh to stop the thing, but I just thought that we saw so many layers to his game and just you know how he was picking things apart. And by the way, that was it was a it was a very chaotic scene that Gervonta had to deal with too because he's got Floyd Mayweather, you know, biggest star in the game, who is like yelling at him in the corner. Which is cool because you have a guy who is as famous as him trying to give him corner advice, but also I'm sure it's just like, holy crap, like Floyd John, I mean, my trainer's trying to give me advice. All this stuff is going on. And to block that all out and go out and put forth your best stuff in the fight is was just completely tremendous from Tank. It really, really was. And then from Mario's standpoint, to take those shots that he did in what was it the seventh round that he went down um and to get up and then to come back and win the next round to 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 have that kind of tenacity to have that kind of toughness and i'm sure at some point had javante questions like holy crap maybe the maybe these guys are bigger than i thought they were maybe maybe i did bite off more than i can chew uh and looked like he really hurt javante so we also learned that javante's got a hell of a chin on him because he hit him with some Big time bombs after getting put on the canvas. I just thought both of those guys just showed so much yesterday in that performance that it's going to be a shame that Mario Barrios may be in a spot where people look down because he took a loss. But man, I, I felt like his stock rose because of the stage of this fight. And uh, it was a really, really great night. And Javante Davis. With all the the scrutiny and the questions that come with him, you know the 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 stuff outside the ring, the 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 early weight cutting issues in his career, you know, would he with his height is he going to be able to translate up here? He looks like he's going to translate just damn fine, just fine, um, and and it just looks like he's just getting savvier and smarter every single time he steps in that ring with what he's able to do. So. Hell of a performance by him. Vasily Lomachenko also returned yesterday against Masayoshi Nakatani on ESPN+. And Vasily Lomachenko, this was a real route. Uh, not as much drama as as Gervonta Davis and Mario Barrios by a long shot. Vasily Lomachenko was, uh, really looked like himself. He looked like Nomashchenko. He looked like the, 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 vintage, uh, the vintage Loma that we've all come to know and love. Um, you know, knowing that he did take on a guy that was coming off of an eye injury and that eye looked like it was in bad shape by the end of that, but he was just hitting him with some hellacious left hands all fight long. And then really started unloading with some big combinations to the body. I mean, he just gave Masayoshi Nakatani, uh, the beating of a lifetime in this fight. And I think if you're a Loma fan and you had questions about whether he was over the hill or whether the, the guy was washed or, you know, were those questions about his shoulder? I know a lot of people scoff at the injury thing 
with Tiafima Lopez. And, you know, to me, those are always tough. That's the famous one with Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather, where he talked about the shoulder and you're just like, I mean, if it's that bad, I get it. Like you don't want to miss the biggest fights, but like, these are your arms. There's they're what you're, this, this is how you go and succeed in the fight. So it's, it's, it's hard to rule. Like, it's like, how do you go about this and say what would have happened? What could have happened? At the end of the day, you just got to say, nah, Floyd Mayweather was the better fighter than Manny Pacquiao and Teofimo Lopez was the better fighter than Lomachenko. And, you know, maybe they'll have a rematch. That was a big talking point a lot during the fight because they kept going over to senior and they kept saying that we will fight him, but he's got to be next. Um, I don't know how much I buy that. I, I don't know how much I buy that. I'm, I'm kind of on the side of, uh, I think it was Andre Ward who was saying that. Like, I don't really buy the fact that we're going to see that fight again. I don't either. I think that if you're Tiafima Lopez, uh, one, it's clear that this weight cut thing is really bothered him going down to this uh, this weight class where he reigns supreme. Um, two, this George Gambosis fight keeps getting pushed down. If you guys missed the uh, you know missed the 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 early part of the podcast, I will uh, talk a lot about this coming up about the the delay. But for those who are watching this video uh, uh, on YouTube. And consuming it that way, there's news this week that that fight's getting pushed back even further to September 11th on uh, the Oscar De La Hoya Vitor Belfort fight night for Triller. And so there's all these questions with Triller, like, you know, can they can they handle this idea of being a boxing company? Um, there's you know rumblings. There's rumblings around there about like whether or not Teofimo Lopez even had COVID. That this is all a big conspiracy because. You know, maybe the fight wasn't selling as well as they hoped, or maybe he was having weight cutting issues. Like nobody just seems to take at face value that Teofimo Lopez all of a sudden had symptomatic COVID-19, which is kind of crazy in the midst of a pandemic, but this is the internet age that we're at. Um, you know, this is the age where you have Deontay Wilder saying that his water got spiked. So there's always a conspiracy around everything, but one way or another, um, getting back to uh, Vasily Lomachenko, he looked absolutely fantastic. But the idea that, okay, if he's going to fight, then he's got to fight Vasily Lomachenko next because they're going to move up. I thought that was an interesting thing from from Senior to, to, to say about Lomachenko. Um, one, because I just don't know how much value uh, the rematch would have. I think that people really do feel like Tiafimo clearly won and I don't know how much Lomachenko can get people back on his side to be like, yeah, I really, really want to see that fight again. I don't know. I don't know. I do think that um, it, it, I think people are excited as that crop of, you know, the new kings of Tiafimo and Devin Haney and Gervonta and Ryan Garcia. People want to see those guys fight each other. And Lomachenko, as only 33 years old, is in a lot of ways long in the tooth, even though he doesn't even have as many pro fights as a lot of these guys, just because he's 33 years old and, you know, isn't as good in the social media as these other guys are. So I think there's a lot of hope that, you know, Tiafimo is going to eventually go up and get the Tank Davis fight or fight Ryan Garcia or fight Devin Haney, whether that be at 135, whether that be at 140. I think those are the fights that honestly will intrigue a lot of fans. Um, and, and people are looking forward to this next generation, you know, getting a chance to 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 go at each other. And it's the interesting thing for Tia Fimo is, you know, 
it sucks that he has this this delay of not fighting Cambosis because one, I do think it's gonna be a tougher fight than people think. And two, now we have a summer that's really been owned by everybody else. Like everybody else has had their opportunity to shine outside of Ryan Garcia. You know, because Ryan Garcia was dealing with the personal stuff, and it seems like he's you know back on on en route to to uh, to to making his comeback. But Devin Haney, I thought looked really good in his last fight. I know that some people were a little bit critical about how it ended against Linares, but again, this is where I think you know, as boxing fans, you need to be a little bit more uh, understand that these guys are young. You know, these guys these guys are young, and you want them to take risks. Then you also got to be. You got to be acceptable to the fact that there's going to be flaws and there's going to be mistakes. And I, I, I thought Devin Haney looked, for, you know, for ten rounds of that fight, looked championship good. I thought that he looked tremendous in that fight. He definitely he was playing a very, very dangerous game. He got clipped. He held on late. Yeah, nobody wants to see a take a knee to end a fight, but for the most part, that was a really, really good performance from him. Um, and he has, I think, the most on the outside looking in because I think he's got looked upon as maybe the most boring style out of everybody else, maybe is the best pure boxer out of everybody else, um, doesn't really have the belt leverage that everybody else has, doesn't have the social media presence of a Ryan Garcia, you know, but very, very may well be the best one out of all of them. Gervonta just had another highlight real night in an epic fight that I think that I think earned a lot of, I don't want to say skeptics, but I think, People who were kind of being like, who, who had any questions about what his uh, championship merit was, I think they watched Javante Davis against Barrios Knight and their respect for him went up another level. He's got Kevin Durant tweeting about him. He's got superstars tweeting about him. People are into watching Tank Davis fight. He is maybe the most mainstream out of all of them. But then again, you have Ryan Garcia, who's got maybe the biggest social media following out of all of them, does the viral videos, has the Canelo connection. Um, but he's been on, you know, he's been on the sidelines with it. So what I'm coming down to is you have Tiafimo who's got all the gold and he has all the merits, but he's also in the spot where, okay, now we haven't seen him fight in forever. He's fighting uh, a guy in George Cambosis who I'm excited to watch fight. Cause you guys know, I have a connection to George and I like George Cambosis. We've interviewed him a ton on this show. We've had them both on the uh the program together it was a fireworks interview it was fantastic i was fired up for the matchup it was going to be down here in miami i don't know if it's going to be anymore we'll see i mean you know it wasn't going to be because it was going to be in august but now it's september maybe it will be who knows the point is um we're not watching tfimo lopez fight and i do think that in this this age of relevance where we're trying to see ah who's the guy who's the guy more people have on their mind right now Gervonta Davis and what he did to Mario Barrios and his his viral knockout against Santa Cruz and all that type of stuff, more so than Tiafimo, who's just kind of been on the sidelines, and now his dad is saying, yeah, I only got one more fight in the division that I'm the king at. Which is just like, really? So, like, all this talk about, oh, I want to fight everybody, I want to fight everybody. Maybe they will. I mean, they're all still young. They can all move up in weight classes. Nobody says that these fights have to happen at 135. Uh, there's no, that's not written in stone. That's not written in law. But I think if you're Tiafimo Lopez and you want to be, I think that this, this is where Lopez misses out. If you're the guy who has all the belts, there is a prestige. There is a leverage that goes there. Okay. There, there is something there. Even if you're not Gervonta Davis popular or Ryan Garcia popular, 
there's still some prestige to, hey, he's the, just like Lomachenko was. Lomachenko maybe necessarily wasn't the most popular guy, but he was very popular and he was the man who had the belts. If you're Teofimo Lopez and you just go up to 140 and you just drop the belts, okay, well, you're not the man anymore. Um, you're popular. I mean, listen, people like watching Teofimo Lopez fight, but I don't think that he's Gervonta Davis popular. I don't think that he's Ryan Garcia popular. And so I do think that while I get it, he's not having a great time with the weight cuts at 135 pounds, there still is value to being the man there. And so I would try and elongate that process or do whatever you have to do to make sure he's still able to make that. I would say for at least another year, I wouldn't, you know, I, you know, make people remember your name, make sure that you're on the, the till with these other guys. Cause if those guys go up to 140 and now all of a sudden they're fighting each other in another weight class, people are going to be talking about them and not you. Um, and for Lomachenko, look, I think that he did, uh, remind a lot of people about why you love him. That exciting style, I think he's probably got the most, probably the most exciting, most unorthodox offensive style for a little guy since Manny Pacquiao. Like, he's just got that never know where he's going to hit you, all these crazy angles, that explosiveness, that propensity to beat big men. I think that, you know, we, we were reminded a lot about that tonight. Um, But it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Mentioned Erickson Lubin. Very happy for him. He got himself a a win over Jason Rosario. Uh, We'll see if that ends up with him rematching Javel Charlo. It seems like the Charlos are all planning to move up as well. So maybe Erickson ends up fighting for a vacant belt. But either way, he's taking the hard road there and and could have taken a much easier opponent to kind of get in this uh, elimination status. And he didn't. And beat a guy that was the man and... um, Really, really good performance by him. He just continues to be a really well-rounded fighter, and I think is a dangerous one at 154 pounds. Um, and finally, I want to mention BKFC. Uh, shout out to my guy Hector Lombard. He ended up getting himself uh, a championship, and so shout out to Hector. Luis Palomino kept his belt. I didn't see what happened in the heavyweight fight, but the one fight I did see live because it was going late. Uh, I saw this fight live was uh, Tiago Alves against Yuli the Monster Diaz. And holy hell, what a fight these guys are. I don't know if you guys could find that fight anywhere. I don't know if you're able to still buy it on BKFC's app. Do yourself a favor. Whatever it is, I think it's like I think it's like six bucks for the BKFC app. I don't think it's very expensive. Go find this fight. It is one of the craziest bare knuckle fights. You don't see a ton of bare knuckle fights that go back and forth. Usually bare knuckle, and I've seen a ton of them. It usually goes one direction. It ends quickly, and that's kind of it. It's very rare that you have a situation where a guy gets knocked down, crimson mask is bloodied, and he works his way all the way back to win the fight. And that's what happened with Tiago Alves and Yuli the Monster Diaz. Yuli Diaz, who, this was his moment. You know, this was BKFC. He had the three-second knockout. This is a man who is, you know, the renaissance man of combat sports. Boxing, he does... MMA, he does bare knuckle. He said he wanted to even do jujitsu matches. Like the guy just lives for combat sports. But I, I felt like, you know, at his age, with his look, I'm like, bare knuckle is the place for Yuli the Monster Diaz. I think this guy's going to have a home. And he had the infamous three second knockout, really put him on the map, got him this title fight against Thiago Alves. This was the fight I was bar none looking forward to the most. And it, it lived up to everything you could hope for. And I, and I, 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 I hurt for Yuli as a guy who loves the dude who has had him on my show multiple, multiple, multiple times. 
um, for everything that he's from boxing fights that he's promoted at the Hard Rock to Titan FC fights that he's promoted at uh, at um, the uh, the the arcade that they always do their fights at. You know, the guy and and it's just uh, just such a nice dude to always speak to. And so I was really hoping he was going to have his moment to 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 hoist gold to to be a champion of a promotion. But Tiago Alves is a badass man, and and and. For Tiago, the thing that's impressive about it is like this is a guy who's you know kind of just gone by the wayside at the UFC. Was always just kind of hey, you're gonna fight Tiago Alves. He was a gatekeeper, and then made this move over to BKFC. I talked to him before his debut, and he was very excited to do something new. And you know, you would think if that's in other promotions, like he he takes that kind of a beating early on in the fight, he just wilts away, and he didn't. He just kept coming, and he was going, and he was hitting Yuli Diaz with some shots to the body that he wasn't expecting. I mean, he really was working them all over the place. They're both bleeding, you know, profusely all over the place, cut up from these vicious bare knuckle fights and, you know, eventually gets the, uh, gets the stoppage and gets the win. It was just an epic, epic night for Tiago Pitbull Alves to become the middleweight champion in BKFC. So, I was it was that was the you know the card I was really bummed out I wasn't able to go to live this past weekend, um, but again you know I'll uh, it's it's uh, it's I'm sure I'll be at the next one uh, I, I do enjoy going to those shows and just a great performance uh, by both of those men that's one of those ones again you know I, I hope the theme that you come out with today with some of these performances you know it's it, it, sometimes there are epic fights between both gentlemen in that ring and somebody gets their arm raised even if a guy stops another guy and it doesn't mean that the person who ended up getting knocked down doesn't mean that you can't respect that fighter even more okay look the victor to the victor goes the spoils and they propel and they go on and they reap the benefits and all that type of stuff but it doesn't mean there shouldn't be some benefits to the guys who get defeated as well because they put everything on the line for you when they go into these rings or squared circles or octagons or cages. And you look at a guy like Mario Barrios, I thought his stock went up. You look at a guy like Yuli Diaz, even losing to Tiago Alves, his stock went up. And Tiago Alves, what a story. He gets his his uh, his moment in the sun again to be a champion in a promotion. His stock goes up. And then, of course, Gervonta Davis. I think uh, more than anybody, his stock was already high. But, you know, this thing's like uh, this, like it's like a, a cryptocurrency that like got a, to the moon or whatever the hell you wackos on Reddit say it's uh, it, it's that it's sky high right now. If you're Javante Davis. So that's our show. That's our recap for the weekend. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Sorry, it came a little bit delayed. Uh, we will uh, be more on point next week with a holiday weekend. Everybody have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you next time. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, look, I know it was a busy fight weekend. I'm actually out this week live. It's uh, my anniversary weekend. My lovely wife and I, we are celebrating 11 years of marriage. So got a tape program for you this week. We will drop another episode coming up probably monday you guys should get that uh reacting to all the stuff from the sports uh from the fight weekend bare knuckle fc you know the gervonta davis card all that type of stuff we will uh have a reaction episode coming up for you probably in about 24 hours or so 
Um, but we still got some stuff to get to from this week. We got some uh, some interesting stuff. We got a fun interview coming up later on in the program with Paul White. You may know him uh, by his stage name, The Big Show. As I got a chance to talk with Big Show this week, although I got to stop calling him Big Show because he is now going by Paul White, his uh, his uh, his name with AEW. They're going to be coming down to the James L. Knight Center in Miami on July 7th. And I uh, got a chance to talk with him, man. It was cool. I remember the first time that I got to speak with him. It was uh, man, probably three years ago when uh, Adam Gase was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So we got that coming up for you in just a bit. Now, uh, interesting news this week in the world of boxing, which is uh, tying into a story that we've been talking about locally for a while here. I told you guys the story last week about George Cambosis and Teofimo Lopez and the idea, uh, everything that went down to the fight getting canceled. We were bummed out last week as we were supposed to be reacting to a, uh, a, a, a fun card at Lone Depot Park lightweight championship of the world on the table between Cambosis and Teofimo. Um, but it didn't end up happening. You know, they said that Teofimo Lopez got COVID-19, that he wasn't vaccinated. Uh, I think it's actually come out even still that, uh, that George isn't either, which, you know, whatever, that's another story for another day. But the idea was that it was going to be rescheduled for some time in August. And now, the reports are that it's not going to be up until around September 11th with uh, Triller uh, coming forth with a card that's going to have Oscar De La Hoya and Vitor Belfort. Now, that news came late last week as Oscar's comeback fight. First, it was originally said that it was going to be on September 18th, which is probably going to be when Canelo comes back to fight Caleb Plant. So that one seemed a little bit odd and bold that they were going to go up against uh, Canelo Alvarez. And what I am at, I don't really know where the Canelo fight, I don't know if that's going to be on DAZN or if that's going to be on a Fox pay-per-view. I think that stuff's still all kind of up in the air. But I thought it would have been wild if Oscar De La Hoya went up the same weekend as Canelo Alvarez. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate team petty. Also, just the idea that he's going to do it against Vitor. Now, I'm excited about Vitor fighting. Don't get me wrong. He actually looks in really, really good shape. Um, definitely, this makes a little bit more sense for him. I thought him versus real Tarzan uh, was kind of goofy. Uh, and this isn't a shot at at, uh, at Mike Holston because, you know, big, uh, big set on him for wanting to go and fight Vitor Belfort. It just it's a very, very deep jump into the ocean for a guy's first pro fight to be fighting the former champion of the world for the UFC um and just kind of thrown together on last notice just didn't seem to make a whole hell of a lot of sense and so Vitor was gunning for the Evander Holyfield fight and he ends up with the Oscar De La Hoya fight I think that uh this will spark some interest I think people will want to see what Oscar does back in the ring Vitor is a, is a good seller of things he's a good talker as far as that's concerned but um, I do wonder, you know, I, I thought like when Oscar was going to come back, you know, he made it sound like his comeback was going to be a comeback, comeback. Like he was going to try and, you know, go fight the best of the best or, or fight an actual boxer. Him coming back to fight a UFC guy is, uh, I'm interested to see what the interest in that is because, you know, he is an iconic figure 
and he's the golden boy and at one time was a monster monster pay-per-view star um but it's not like you know there's something about that's not like tyson you know like there's something about the heavyweights coming back older i think that people uh always believe in the carrying of power they're a little bit more there's a little bit more lore especially with like especially with tyson I think everybody's always intrigued. You know, Tyson had the training videos that went viral. Um, he's been in our, he's kind of been in our pop culture psyche as well, like with doing the podcast that's really popular, you know, doing things like going on, you know, Joe Rogan and, and having some crazy interviews there. And, you know, we've still had, we've kind of been following along and having Tyson in the public eye. And I know that Oscar has too, but he's been in this role where, he had this very prominent promotion and then you know now all of a sudden he's off on this comeback trail and it, it, it kind of just feels like it all flamed out you know especially with the the breakup with canelo alvarez so i'm curious to see what the interest and appetite is for him to fight again i gotta imagine if they're gonna do this fight for his comeback like cali is the place where you would naturally go but i don't know if they're still quite up to full capacity, like I said last week with this whole um, Tia Fimo versus George Cambosis card, I don't think we're getting to back down here. I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, there's there's the the idea that it was pushed back a little bit further. I had heard that from a, a couple of people that it was going to get pushed back. You know, that's not my my bag to go report stuff out on on, on Twitter. Um, the only time I've ever really done it for fighting has been, uh, when I literally have been told stuff by like Shannon Briggs directly or results of fights that I'm at, or, uh, you know, somebody told me something directly to go, you know, tweet out. It's just not my bag. I don't do that. I'll riff on the show on stuff that I hear and things like that. But, um, you know, I'm no, uh, I'm no, I'm no newsbreaker when it comes to this type of stuff, but I had heard that, that it was going to get pushed back a little bit. Um, and and I know that there were concerns from a lot of sides about what the ticket sales were going to look like when it was announced, put forth, all that type of stuff. So I'm I, I, I'm 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 not surprised that we're in the situation that we're in. The thing that's that's interesting about it though is you know if you're gonna go this route and you're Triller and you're gonna have George Cambosis against Teofimo Lopez and you're gonna do it on the Oscar De La Hoya Vitor Belfort card. First of all, I'm curious to know what's going to end up being the main event because I would think Oscar De La Hoya is the main event. And second of all, it uh it, it it's a wonder about okay, are they really are they really able to be legit? Are they able to be a a company that stormed in here and threw 6 million dollars around? to get this fight and make it happen um or are they are they in in trouble in that regard because look they they try putting together a, a really pure boxing card which i thought they did a good job i thought you know i was i know that I, as a as a guy who was followed both fighters and has you know had uh, a lot of you know interviews with george i was more excited for this fight probably than even the mainstream fan uh, or hardcore fan was just because you know I wanted to see what the the story was going to be with with George and then obviously seeing Tiafimo he's uh, he's a big deal in the sport I do think that those guys got a lot of heat on each other 
You know, I know our interview did uh did really well, did a lot of numbers between those two guys going back and forth. Um, and they hadn't had a lot of experiences like that since the press conference happened. So I think people were into it. Um, but the idea that uh, they're going to push it back again, first of all, it's a couple things. One, um, they're worried about how that fight can sell by itself. I think that's a concern. Two, um, and I mentioned this last week when this news happened, I mean, what are the health ramifications of Teofimo Lopez? What, what, where is he at right now from a health standpoint in contracting COVID-19 and his recovery and all that type of stuff? Um, and then three, just the overall idea that these guys got to kind of tune it up again to fight each other. I mean, they've they've now been delayed for a third time, basically. Now, this isn't like a long delay. This isn't like, oh, man, we really shifted focus to August 14th. I mean, I'm sure that there was a little bit of a cool down period. You were in the midst of about being ready to fight that week. I'm sure those guys were cutting weight. Um, so I'm sure there was some some bounce back. But, you know, just the idea, I mean, that, that you got to shift the focus. This is going to be such a slow play to get to this fight uh, has got to be really, really frustrating. Uh, and I think probably especially from George Cambosis' side, just because, uh, you know, he's international, um, you know, young family. Like, is this going to what, what is this going to take some kind of a mental toll on him? You know, for from my standpoint, I think for for George, I think it's 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 a tough mental toll on him. And for Teofimo, you wondering what the physical toll is going to be on him, because how is he going to bounce back? How is he going to look training? All that stuff. We don't know. You know, uh, Canelo Alvarez said that he had uh, COVID-19, barely trained for the Avenue Yildirim fight, looked fantastic, went and did work and uh, and got things done for himself. You know, but it wasn't like an A-plus opponent. It wasn't undefeated young guy in his prime, ready to take, uh, you know, who's it's gotten very personal between both of them. So I'm interested in it. But I, I think for, uh, you know, the other and the other element to it is if it's not going to be the main event, I think that's a huge bummer, too, because um, the idea that you're going to be on this card with Oscar de la Hoya is going to definitely give you more exposure. So I guess that's good for the back end of the pay-per-view. I don't know. So much has been made about what their guaranteed purse is going to be. I don't know how much that matters to them. Um, I think it's probably a bigger deal for Oscar, to be honest. But I think that the idea that, you know, you went from, okay, we're we're the show to, you know, we're, we're what you're doing with them now is instead of them being the show, you're adding them as the credibility. And I, I think that's the disappointing thing. And I honestly think that if this is the route that Triller is going to go, I don't know if they can sustain it. Because how many more? How many, You've already lost the Jake Paul thing. He's now off with Showtime. Tyson has been pretty publicly pissed with Triller. So is Roy Jones. Um, it feels like they're burning a lot of bridges. Uh, I'm sure that... You know, them even getting this fight as pissed off top rank has pissed off a lot of people. So I don't know how many people are going to be feeling sorry for them. Um, but I, but this is an interesting one because a lot of people have wondered what is the future of this promotion? 
what is it going to be? And a lot of people are very skeptical that it's going to be able to hang around. And it's tough not to feel like all those critics and skeptics uh, aren't getting ready to take a victory lap after uh, this this latest amount of news that's coming out about it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I really do want to see this fight. I hope it happens. And uh, we'll keep you posted on it. When we come back, one show that is going to go down is All Elite Wrestling. We don't talk uh, very much wrestling on this uh, on this program, but it is coming down here to Miami. Big show coming down on july 7th and a friend of the show you know a friend of uh, a guy i've gotten to interview uh, a couple of times um you know came in studio impromptu probably four years ago maybe three years ago and uh, just a really really cool dude paul white he is uh, a miami resident and he was formerly known as the big show in the wwe he has now moved over to aew aew is coming down here to miami on july 7th so we will have a conversation with Paul White coming up next. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Very excited to talk to our next guest. This man, uh, I got a chance to speak to, the, to with uh, with this man, Paul White, probably about three, four years ago. It was funny. He was uh, seen at Dolphins Camp, and I had reached out to, uh, I think it was Jason Jenkins with the Dolphins at the time, who, yeah, I was just curious. I was like, hey, do you have a manager's number? Do you have anybody? I would love to get him on the show. Just talk about him being out there. And I didn't know any of the facts that, like, the big show, a.k.a. Paul White, who we're going to speak with here in a second, had uh, lived down here in South Florida and, you know, was a big Dolphins fan, all that type of stuff. And I got in touch with his manager, and I thought that, you know, it was going to be typical, like, radio call-in and, you know, it was so funny because you know, one of the things that, as a, as a person who books radio interviews, you're always, especially for, you know, I've been doing it for Morning Drive, not only with my show with with uh, Leroy Horde, um, but also for, for Zaslow and Romberg and Amber when they were doing it, or Zaslow and Joy or Zaslow and Hockman. Um, you know, getting people up is not easy. And getting people up to be on the radio is uh, is not always an easy ask. Some people are morning people, uh, but a lot of people aren't, especially performers and especially athletes. Typically, like writers or media people, they're up, good to go. But um, I was a little shocked. I remember this uh, this very vividly because it's always cool when you don't feel like you're pulling teeth, like people are really into coming on the show. And... You never know how that's going to go when you're booking things like you're like, all right, is, you, you know, is this person feel like you're real, you know, like getting a yes is always great and, 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 and people being into it, but there's different levels to it. Like, you know, are you, you know, doing a big ask here? Are they on a tour or this type of stuff? But when you get a guy who genuinely wants to be on the show and not only wants to be on the show, but is like goes the extra mile like that just that's always awesome and i'll never forget it because you know paul was such a big deal he's one of those iconic wrestling figures uh certainly over the last 20 years i mean who doesn't recognize a guy who's seven foot tall and uh i just it was just always it was such a cool experience because he came in and his manager handler said that he was going to come in at 7.30. I was like, yeah, all right, really? 
and I was just very skeptical of it. I was like, and I, I remember Zazzo was out on vacation, and I was co- I was I would I would fill in for him and drive the the shows when he was out. And I told uh, Romberg and I was like, yeah, well, guess what? The big, the big show is coming in, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, the wrestler. He's he's coming in, and he was just he was so cool, so cool. Like he got there early. He was supposed to be there for the 7.30 segment. I didn't know how long he was going to stay. I figured maybe we'd get two segments out of him. And I think he ended up staying for like over an hour. He got there early. He told like the best stories and was just an overall great guy. And, you know, we ended up uh, getting him on again one time. And it was actually funny. Uh, His manager was like, wait a minute. I thought like you were the the host. And he was kind of giving Zazzle a hard time. The, uh the 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 second time around and then i remember his uh his 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 manager was just like oh i don't know how this is gonna go but uh but it was it ended up being cool and it was cool having having show in studio for that and uh he ended up going uh and and meeting up with him at a uh, at a i think it was a canes game at one point and uh it's just a good dude he's just a good dude so anyway long story short he is uh he the big show is now in AEW, he left the WWE. He moved over to All Elite Wrestling, which is uh, the Cons Wrestling promotion, and it's doing really good numbers. Like it's becoming a uh, it's becoming a real entity on Wednesday nights, doing great numbers in cable. And they're going to start traveling again. They're traveling over to Miami on July seventh, and this guy is great. You know, Paul White is uh, going to join is going to join the show here and i i love talking to this dude you know we don't normally do pro wrestling here on the show but like i said i'm doing a tape show for you guys i'm going to react to all the stuff for uh from the weekend uh on another episode that'll come up in a, in a day but uh this guy's awesome and i think you guys are going to like the conversation here's my conversation with aew's paul white very excited to talk to our next guest he is Going to be on the broadcast crew for All Elite Wrestling, which is coming down here to the James L. Knight Center coming up on July 7th for Wednesday Night Dynamite. It's Paul White joining us here on the program. Uh, Paul, thanks for doing this, man. It's been a long time, but it's great to it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I love your Miami eclectic art you have back there. It's nice. Hey man, if it's I nice. if I had to do uh if I had to do a show at home for 18 months and it's finally I'm going to be out of here pretty soon, but I was like, yeah, I might as well make it look a uh, make it look home team, you know? I dig it. I dig it. It's amazing how much we've all gotten through in the past 18 months, huh? Yeah, it's, it's been, been crazy. Wild. It's been wild, man. Who's that in the background? That? With the, with the no, the other one to the to your right over your right shoulder, the green. Yes, who's that? That is uh, a listener made that for me because I have a parody character, uh, Macho Marlins man, who is okay. a macho Mar- a macho man character who is just obsessed with the Marlins. That's funny. So somebody That's just, funny. So, so somebody just painted. Well, like I'll go out to games and like with <laughs> with a terrible wig on, and people will just be like, you know, just doing Marlins. I'll really, like hand out Slim Jims to people. So uh, yeah, somebody sent that to me in the mail one day. Yeah. yeah, I knew I knew Randy really well. That's why I was laughing. Randy was a fun dude. He used to tell me all the time, he says, "Don't run with the Joneses. Your credit card in your wallet. Let Hogan pay." That oh, was his thing. It was always let Hogan pay. That was it. Because I would try to when I was hanging out with three of them, I'd try to buy lunch every now and then or something, you know, because I didn't want to feel like a tag along. Right. And Randy would always make me 
put my credit card away and let Hogan pay. That's that was cool. his thing. <laughs> he didn't reach in his wallet either. <laughs> <laughs> was it um was it scary for you at all? Jump into a new promotion like they look like top notch. We had Jim Ross in when 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 All Elite uh, first first you know launched, and I remember how uh, you know how passionate he was about it and how much he was excited about it. But you know, with you being with the company for so long, were you excited or a little bit scared jumping into something so new? Excited. Um, I just saw opportunity galore even before um, I made the transition to AEW. I saw the stuff that Jericho and Cody and Dustin were doing. And, saw the stuff they were doing Kenny Omega and the crowds they were pulling and just that that energy and that vibe was something different than WWE and I thought it was a good thing because you want diversity for the industry you want the industry to do well if everybody's served the same thing every time it, it does become stale you know no matter how good the product is you need diversity you need different options and I think that's one thing that AEW does is give something different to WWE it's better for the fans yeah, it's really cool, and uh, you know, I, I like the Jaguars, and I like uh, the Khan family. They 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 seem like really like just a just a cool. They're group. cool, man. I'm telling you, it's a it's a it's a whole another level of cool, man. It's a different. I'm used to interacting with one guy for so many years who, you know, is brilliant in his own way. Vince was brilliant, had his way of doing things, and there's certain things you you know, like you didn't cough or sneeze around Vince. Like you had some, you had some things that you learned. And I could tell looking at Vince on some days that. Today's not the day to bother him. You know what I mean? Some people never learn to navigate that that uh, that rule. But with Tony, it's different. This guy runs up and hugs you and is excited and he's passionate and uh, thanks you for everything you do and gives you, like, complete creative control on everything you do. There's not one thing that I do in AEW that's micromanaged at all. It's unbelievable. It's a uh, completely different side of the coin. What did uh What did you want to do when you when you dove into something new? Like, what were the things that you thought, man? I really want to bring this new element for for people to see this side of me. Well, I wanted to continue to compete. Um, I still want to be in the ring, uh, and then I want to do color commentary, and I want to be somewhere where I could make more of an impact. Um, and to me, AEW offered all of that. Um, Tony was super excited about me doing uh, commentating. Um, he, I think he had a little bit more faith in me doing it than I did. I was like interested in it. Like I thought, eh, maybe I can be good at it. Um, we still got a long ways to go, but we're having a lot of fun with it. We're learning. I got a great partner in Tony Schiavone. I got great resources around me and, and Jim Ross and Excalibur and Taz who always, you know, Taz has been a real good, uh, supporter of mine for the commentator. He gives me little tidbits here and there. Um, it's great. It's been really nice to explore that side of, of what the future holds and then now for me it was the best thing to do to understand the AEW product is to watch it from a commentating standpoint because I've gotten to learn the talent I understand the ebb and flow and I also understand where I can contribute and help the most so I'm excited to lace up my boots here pretty soon and get in the ring and have some fun oh yeah so you're gonna you're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see that pretty oh, yeah. soon too yeah that was the whole thing for me going to AEW is I wanted to compete I didn't want to be you know, um, used once or twice a year to 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 basically just sit on the shelf and rot. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not hurt. I'm not injured. I'm there's there's no reason for me to be sitting on the bench whatsoever. I can still uh, do everything I need to do as a giant and still contribute and still teach in the ring. I think that's where I do my best 
work is actually getting in the ring with guys and working with them and feeling their timing in the ring. And then afterwards I can sit down and explain to them because you can watch stuff and, and it's hard to um, really make it sink in somebody's head unless you can correct them in the moment or help them in the moment. Even when they do something good, like, Hey, you feel that you're doing it right. You know what I mean? So they understand what they're grabbing. Um, to me, I prefer to do it in the ring. And I remember, um, I remember when you first came in studio with us a few years back. Like you were, you were really getting into the fitness stuff. Like you really like were right. transforming your body. So like, was that part of the reason? Like you felt probably maybe some of the best shape you've been in a long time, and you want to to see what that was like. Is that part of the reason for that? Uh, it was part of just making that overall change. For a long time, I really didn't give a crap about it. And I got into a little bit of a discussion. John Cena is one of my very dear friends. I know most people won't believe it, but he is. He won't admit it, but he is my damn friend. Um, <laughs> we got into a discussion one day about just body types and bodybuilding. And and when I made a joke, I was like, well, who'd want to see a giant with abs? And John looked at me in only the way that John Cena can look at someone and goes, yeah, who would want to see that? And he got up and walked off and he made me so mad. I almost punched him in the back of the head. Like I was so like, you know, when your friend like just really challenges yeah. you and just throws like a, a punk card on the ground and says, yeah, okay. I bet you can't do this. I'm oh, you just watch me. So then I went all crazy and started dieting and training and biking and worked with a great guy in Miami there, a guy by the name of Dodd Romero. Um, and Dodd's worked with uh, Lenny Kravitz and Denzel and, uh, a rod and j-lo so i was in pretty good company for these historic 30 mile bike rides out in the middle of miami and turkey creek power plant and all these different places so the weight uh, the weight came off and i learned how to lifestyle change it's just basically changing what i ate it made a difference uh so you guys are coming down here uh july 7th james and i home game for you because you get to you get home to game. maintain that's 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 yeah. gotta be pretty awesome why did you guys uh do you know why miami was chosen as the first place because you guys are finally going you know back out on the road for these types of things and people the fans can interact with you guys again that's probably just above my pay grade a little bit i don't know how they booked it like that just conveniently it worked out i'm not it's one of those kind of things when it drops in your favor you don't really ask questions yeah. as to why you just kind of go okay that's that's, that's a great place to start. I like that. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited. The fact that we get in front of the live crowds again, we'll start touring again. I think it's going to help a lot of our younger talent for the past, you know, months we've been able to work and put a product on TV, but the audience has been very limited as far as being able to have them participate. And the audience is so key for the younger talent learning who they are as a character and developing. So uh, I think the live crowds, you're just going to see AEW continue to grow and get better and better. So I'm definitely looking forward to it, you know. What's uh, in Jacksonville, like what's the most you guys have been able to do so far? Because I, I was at UFC up in Jacksonville when they like returned to full capacity. And it was wild, man. Like being in like yeah. events when there's nobody there and then going to 20,000. Like I know you've been in front of the biggest crowds, but it's going to probably feel like 100,000 oh, just having a few thousand there is nuts. Well, we've had some dynamites and some uh, some pay-per-views. We've had, you know, I think capacity at daily is like somewhere around 6,000. So we've had a full crowd, which is exciting because you feed off in that energy. You really feel that energy. So I can't imagine getting back into some of the places where we're going to be going. We can hold, you know, nine, 10,000 people and they're all around us. It's not like a stage situation. You're in the middle of the crowd. You feel that energy. It's, it's, uh, 
That's why we do it, man. That's why I still do it. I still get goosebumps walking down that ramp every time I get the butterflies in my stomach. If I ever lose the butterflies, that's probably when I quit lacing up the boots. So after four decades, I still get them. So I still love it. Uh, are you still into the? Uh, are you still hanging into the dolphins at all? Are you? Are you? Uh, are you into? Uh, you know, I know you had a thing with Adam Gase. You had a good relationship. Yeah, Coach Gase and I were really good friends. So it's it's uh, it's made it a little bit awkward, I think, to come hang around the dolphins again. Uh, I'm still a big supporter of them. I'm still a big fan of Dan Marino. He's always been one of my all time favorites. But the medical staff that take care of the dolphins, the Dr. Swartzen and Dr. Arebe, those are the guys that take care of me as well. So uh, I still will always have that dolphin connection. We have the same doctors making sure we stay mobile and agile. Well, listen, if, if, if Tua looks like the real deal, you just hop on the bandwagon, man. We know like you, you'll always be like, I was there <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Don't worry about hey, it. Hey, man, I was I was like I was like a Dolphins fan. It was like me and Johnny Depp were the only two Dolphins yeah. fans. So I think <laughs> I, I think it's OK. But I, I am really hoping that Tua does a good thing and, and applies all that. Uh, experience that he got at Alabama and his talent and everything comes together and, and Miami deserves to have a good team you know we've been through a lot as a team and as a city for you know how many years are the struggles from football but uh, they definitely deserve to have a good run so fingers crossed well I'm pretty sure if coach Flores like if, if you put out the bat thing I'm pretty sure he'd be uh, he'd be he seems like a cool guy like he'd be into having you there from everything that I've heard he's an incredible coach a lot of people really dig him I just uh uh, I haven't made that venture. I've been focusing on uh, the new job and the new career. So uh, we'll see if I get to get down and catch some Dolphin games. I'm sure I will. That's inevitable. I'm going to have to. Awesome, man. Well, Paul White, go check him out. Uh, All Elite Wrestling is coming to the James L. Knight Center on July 7th. Get your tickets now, alleliterestling.com. You guys can go check it out there under the events. Get your tickets there. Looks like it's going to be a hell of a show, man. It's going to be great that you guys are back out on the road. And thank you for always uh, being generous with your time with us. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm getting, if you get a chance to come out and check it out, it's going to be one hell of a show. I plan thank on you. it, man. I plan on it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Paul for joining the program. And I love the fact that he got to see Macho Marlins, man, in the uh, in the home studio and see what that, uh, that looked like. Really, really enjoyed it. And if you guys uh, are listening to that, cool. If you guys want to watch that interview, it'll be up on my YouTube page and up on the Ticket Miami as well. So you guys can check it out there. If you guys want to uh, go back and watch that interview, it'll be up there for you. We'll take a quick break into a little bit of UFC, a little bit of martial arts on the other side. We're back after this. Welcome back, everybody. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 Ticket. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to Paul for joining the program and uh and all that great stuff getting to a little bit of ufc here so this was uh this was a thing this week so a couple of things with the diaz brothers as far as some news is concerned uh nate diaz it, he was i get i don't know like what his game plan was here but nate was uh was trying to i guess poke the bear at uh with kamaru usman where he tweeted out this week who this guy fighting next? Someone that he already KO'd. And it's a photo of Kamaro uh, knocking out uh, Jorge Masvidal. And Kamaro responded. He said, uh, I see you 209. If you really want this 187, then call your boy Hunter. Uh, Diaz said that you're locked down and you do what you're told like a good champion. It's a picture of Colby Covington getting knocked out. And Usman responds, keyword champion, all you guys, just internet tough guys nowadays. Like I said, if you really want the pressure, then holla at your boy Hunter. Um, 
And then I think I think Nate ended up closing it out with saying, like, it's all good, champ, or something like that. Uh, let's see. He says, you're doing great, champ. Wasn't trying to disrespect. Have a good fight with one of these poor guys you beat up. Um, and I saw that uh, his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, had come out and said, uh, Nate over Kobe all day. So I'm, I'm guessing, like, look, they're going to try and angle for that fight. I, look, I don't – look, I've said with – Kamaro that I don't mind if Kamaro gets himself a super fight. I feel like he has beaten everybody there is to beat. Um, I get the idea of Colby getting the rematch. It's, f- it's fine if Colby gets the rematch. I don't think that Leon... I don't think Leon won himself anybody over to absolutely demand a title shot against somebody that, he, that he's lost to. You know, if, if Leon was in the position that he was in and Masvidal was champion, I think they would definitely make that fight. If Colby was champion, I think they definitely would have made that fight because they haven't fought yet. So I think that if Leon was in any position, that wasn't, I'm, I, I, I'm gunning for a guy that I fought, but I've lost to. And I know that it was forever ago and, and not a lot of people saw the fight. I didn't even see the fight. I haven't even gotten washed back. Look, but I think that if it was to anybody else, um, he probably would be in a good position. But I think that most people with Leon are looking at this and saying, like, all right, we're begging this guy to have something go that is just like, yes, I want to see this guy fight for the belt. I want to see it. I have to see it. Let's get to it. And, we, you know, we just haven't gotten that yet. But. Um, I think the idea of him fighting of Nate getting the title shot would be silly. I mean, he just lost four out of five rounds. And yes, the ending of that fight was absolutely thrilling. He almost pulled it off. He hit him with the Stockton slap. He nearly put him away. But that's the key word. Nearly. He didn't put him away. And so the idea that Nate would be vying for some title shot, like... You know, like when I was just talking about this this week with uh, with with Dustin, you know, like Dustin is fighting Conor McGregor and it's not for the belt. And part of the reason they told me was because Conor McGregor isn't deserving of a title shot. Now, I agree with it that Conor's not, but we have seen guys off of losses get title shots before. And I don't think anybody really has a problem with Conor McGregor fighting for the belt. But if you didn't do it and you made a hard line stance there, you best make that stance when it comes to the welterweight division and Nate Diaz. You can't just go and give Nate Diaz a title fight, especially over Colby or over Leon. I get the idea of Kamara wanting himself a, a bankable fight. I'm all here for it. But it's got to be against somebody um, that I don't even want to say is deserving. It's just like, you know... Can we get a shroud of Mr. Can he take on Nick Diaz? Can it be against somebody of uh you know that we haven't seen? Could it be against, you know, could we, you know, Dana White go back to the GSP well and and see if they could rattle the cage there somewhat? I, I just don't think that you could go and in any good conscience give it to Nate Diaz after what we just saw. Even like with with the Connor Cole uh Dustin thing, like at least Con you know, Connor got, you know, you could say Connor you know, got beat up in a couple of rounds. It was quick, you know, so with Nate, it was just, it was kind of just a thorough ass kicking up until those last, you know, 70 seconds of the fight. So I don't know. I, I get, I, I like, like 
it's one of those things where I get it. I think Kamara deserves himself a big fight. I, I think he does deserve my fight. Although I will say, he did fight Masvidal, and that's part of the reason why they that he fought Masvidal was to to get the big fight. So it's not like he hasn't uh, been able to cash in on that. I think, but I just can't see the Nate Diaz window being a thing. Speaking of the Diaz brothers, this is interesting. So Nick Diaz's coach Cesar Gracie. He says that Nick Diaz may not come back to the UFC, that he may be going to boxing instead. Um, that uh, he he went and told them that they have to see where the contract's at. It's possible that his next fight won't be with the UFC. And that'll be interesting because if he is under contract, I'm curious to see because I, uh, I actually asked this about uh, when Dana was on the show, I asked him about the, the GSP thing. And this caused a whole thing. Like Dana White, like asked him a question, but he just kind of took it and ran his own play. And I'm curious to see if Nick is under contract with the UFC and then ends up boxing. You know, what is, you know, it was, what is that going to mean? Now, I don't think it's, if he's not on boxing Oscar De La Hoya, which he's not, we, we've talked about this earlier in the show, Oscar's fighting Vitor Belfort. Um, I think it'll be interesting because it'll kind of prove my point, which was what I asked Dana. If it wasn't with Oscar De La Hoya, would you have let Nick Diaz go box? I think that they will. Um, I think that they definitely would like to get that one last squeeze out of Nick Diaz for a couple of reasons. One, I do think that, you know, Nick, there's a level of his career where he was screwed out of a big chunk of this big time uh fights he's a legend and he's he's lo- he's beloved and also there's still a generation of fans that uh there's still a generation of fans i think that don't know the nick diaz story they probably think that nate is the bigger deal like nate is the more known more famous fighter which i think in fame he probably has passed him just because i think the sport's gotten even more popular and it's just more exposed. I think that, you know, beating a guy like Conor McGregor in the way that Nate Diaz did just puts you, puts you on a whole other level as well. And, you know, Nick, the lasting images we kind of have of him are just kind of chicanery and toying around with Anderson Silva and GSP and all that type of stuff. So I'm curious to see uh, what that means to the UFC because if they don't let him box, if he is under contract, if they don't let him box, that'll tell you that they think, okay, whoever it is is going to be one last big fight. I think it's probably going to be against Jorge Masvidal. If I had to guess, that would be the direction they probably go in. And I think that probably would do good numbers. I think that that would probably, I don't know if I would say it's a million pay-per-view buy show, but I think it'll definitely do, you know, in the high six figures. And if it's promoted the right way and 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 uh if it's if people are that fired up for nick and they do it the right way maybe it can get to the million buys maybe it can i don't know i don't think it's guaranteed but i think it's possible um and then the idea of him going to box you know we just saw last week we saw anderson silva go box against julio cesar chavez jr he looked good everybody was impressed but maybe Anderson Silva parlays this into fighting Logan Paul. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Um, I don't know from my standpoint, I don't know how much, you know, interest I have in seeing 
Nico box just anybody. But if it's a cool matchup, if he were to go box Anderson Silva, I'd be kind of into that. If he were to, you know, and obviously if he ended up, you know, fighting one of the YouTubers, I think that'll definitely get some some publicity for sure. But I'm curious. I'm I'm honestly more curious to see what the fallout is of the contract, just simply because of how things went with uh, with uh, with GSP and how they didn't let him go box. So that was interesting. Uh, other piece of news this week: you had uh, a Ariel Helwani. The uh, famed MMA journalist. He is uh, like the the Woj of, of UFC. Been uh been on the morning show a bunch of times, and he is uh, he he announced a couple of weeks ago that he was leaving ESPN, and we found out this week that he is actually going back to. He mentioned a lot of places, but it's I think the one that is probably most significant is that he is going back to uh mmafighting.com so he's going back he's got like a lebron james thing going on where he's he's coming home and he's he's going back to the uh to the mma hour like old school style and doing it twice a week which i think is cool like you know he went to this uh this uh this dc and helwani thing which i think was fine i think it was good for him to do something different um you know and then would kind of crank out the interviews throughout the week but that MMA that MMA hour is a big deal, man. You know that gets uh, that that's a big newsmaker throughout the week, and I do think that uh, you know Ariel and his interviews um, with that it's because it's always usually the biggest guest on Friday, the biggest reaction to whatever the the day is before, and I do think that was uh, that was lost a, a, a little bit, and uh, you know him not being with a television partner of the UFC anymore uh, it will be an interesting one because I'll see what, what kind of different angles. Uh, will there be any different angles that he takes? Um, but that was a, I thought that, I thought that was a big deal because, you know, he is definitely, as far as media is concerned, he's the, the biggest name in the game. I guess, you know, if you want to count, I mean, Joe Rogan's definitely bigger in fame status, but it's almost like the UFC's become Joe Rogan's side hustle as opposed to with Ariel where that's that's kind of his bread and butter. And then I don't even know who else would be I mean, there's a lot of good guys who do good work, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying like he's definitely the guy as far as uh it being known. So yeah, I thought it was uh, it was kind of a big deal that he uh is announcing that he's going back to the platform where he kind of made his bones, uh really, really blew up and and you know, eventually got him to ESPN where he spent three years. So I like the fact that that show's coming back. I think that's a that's a fun show. It's a it, it, you know I've never I've never sat through like six hours of watching the MMA hour. But like the good thing about YouTube is like hey if you you know if he's got a couple of good if he has seven guests on and you know three of them you're into you could just kind of skip through and and they're fun listens on a Monday for sure. They're fun listens and I think that, I think that's good. I like that more so than. You know, just doing the debate show with uh, with Cormier, who I actually think you know, I, you guys know I love Cormier. Cormier, I think, is the one of the best things going in in uh, in broadcasting, certainly in analysis. Um, but he did two of those shows. He did that with that, and then he did the one with Chael. So, I don't know. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be good for Helwani to go back to the uh, to the roots there a little bit. That's our show for this week, everybody. Like I said, uh, I will come out with a reaction video a reaction video and a reaction episode to the 
action from this week, everything that went on on Saturday with the bare knuckle fighting, with the Showtime card, Vasily Lomachenko, all that stuff, I will have reaction to. Um, but you know, it was a it was a big occasion for me this week. It was uh, the the uh, the the anniversary, eleventh anniversary uh, for me and my wife getting married. So I wanted to give you guys something. We gave you a taped episode this week. So if you missed any of the show, you guys can download this podcast, and we'll have a bonus episode this week that'll have all the reaction to everything that went on this week in the combat sporting universe. Everybody have a great rest of your Sunday. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.